First of all, I just want to clear something up. The Longhorns felt sorry for TCU because they never won a big game. So they let them have that one. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's horrible. Everybody has their year, I guess. So I'm glad you are all here today enjoying this cold weather. I like it because I get to wear the sweater and it matches my hair and my goatee, so it just kind of all flows together. You can't see where one stops and the other one begins. So last Wednesday night, we had our board meeting, and uh, we discussed going on a mission trip this summer, and we've got it approved. This is the website to where we're going to go. We don't have all the details yet. We're going to try to, I'm going to try to get everything together and make a presentation next month to the board meeting and get dates and everything. But it's a really awesome experience. Uh, my family went last year. We took Macy, Carson, everybody, so it's all ages. It's kind of a youth-led experience. They have three different ministries that you can go into when you get there. Uh, they do construction where they'll fix roofs, build wheelchair ramps, and just minor repairs around houses. They have a community where they do, uh, they just go kind of door-to-door -door and, and talk to people and go to the nursing homes and talk to people. And they have a, what is it, food bank that you can go work at. And then the third one is the children's ministry where you go to, they have a camp there and you go and you kind of minister to the kids all day. It's a very high poverty community, a lot of drugs, a lot of, a lot of these kids just don't feel wanted, and a lot of times the, the meal that they serve is the only meals they get that day. So it's really awesome, and I would really like for as many people to go as possible, all ages. Uh, but here's the website if y'all want to look into it, pray about it, and see how y'all feel. And then if y'all want to go, once we get more information, we'll start getting lists. And it's in Kentucky, and it's two hours from the ARC. So we're going to try to go ahead and go to the ark while we're there. So that's an experience in itself. So if you have any ideas on fundraisers and stuff like that, get with me. And we'll try to get everything going, try to raise as much money as we can and just have a good time. So if you would, would you stand with me? We'll read the reading of the word. It's going to be Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this, for this, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, divide an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers and give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Will you pray with me? My Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come together. Father, I just thank you for each one of these people that chose to come up here today and for those that will be watching on Facebook either now or later. Father, I just pray against the sickness that's going on in this community, Father, and just ask for just a spiritual healing and a physical healing. Father, we just rebuke the, this virus from our community. And we just uh, ask that you'll just remove me from this situation, Father, and just let your words flow through me. Father, I love you and I praise you. I ask your name in Jesus' name. Amen. So please be seated. So having kids is hard. 
That's all I got to say. I just wanted to let y'all know <laughs> in case y'all forget. See, they've always got something going on, always needing something. Some school event that they got involved in that they didn't tell us nothing about until the last minute. You know, I'm sure a lot of y'all moms have probably stayed up late cooking bake, or baking cookies and whatever because your kids signed you up for a class party that you didn't know nothing about until they said, oh, by the way, I need two dozen cookies tomorrow. Tortillas, yeah. I like tortillas. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I heard tortillas and I just... You know, we drive all over Texas chasing these kids. Yesterday we were at... This kind of just worked into the sermon for some reason. Yesterday we were at my parents in Knox City having our Thanksgiving. And we got a text from the coach, basketball coach, one Ambry to go play varsity last night. So we packed up and we left Thanksgiving so we could go watch her play or go watch her at the game. <laughs> 33, 30, 37 seconds of her action was awesome. 43, my bad, my bad. But I was very proud of her. I was very happy for her. But we constantly jump through hoops and do everything we can for our children. And we do it just because we love them. But man, you asked them to do something. <laughs> Boy, it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> you know, they complain. They walk around pouting. <laughs> they make sure that you know that they're miserable, just in case you didn't know it to begin with. <laughs> Sorry, Amber. <laughs> okay. So it's very frustrating as a father that when you give up all your time, you try to do everything you can to give them the very best, but then when you ask them to do something, they just complain. So that had absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted to let y'all know what life is like. <laughs> I don't have nobody else to vent to, so I was just letting it out today. Okay, now we'll get started. <laughs> so I can only imagine how God feels when we do the same thing to him. He leads us down the right path, and we keep finding detours to take. And then we complain that we're right back in the same situation we were before. We forget all the wonderful things that God has done in our lives, and we forget that we're the ones that chose to take these wrong exits. And then we whine and cry, whine and cry that we're struggling in life. And then what does God do? He steps in, gets us back on, on track, and we do the same thing over again. So we'll take a look at the Israelites today. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis. We're going to work our way through the Bible from Genesis to Joseph today. But we're just going to hit the highlights so it won't be as long as what y'all think. So Joseph ended up in Egypt because his brothers were jealous of his father's love for him. They had sold him into slavery, and they had told his father that he had died. But God had other plans for him. And after some time and many trials, like being sent to prison for something that he didn't do, Joseph became one of the highest-ranking officials in Egypt, right next to the Pharaoh, because God had given him a vision of a famine that was coming and how to handle it. So Joseph provided, and Joseph set everything up. So when the famine came, Egypt prospered because of Joseph, because of what God told him to do, because of his obedience. So his brothers needed food, so his dad sent them to Egypt to get food. And like any little brother who did that wanted to get even, he gave them a hard time messed with him for a little while, and then he finally revealed to him who he was. And he told Pharaoh about his family, and the Pharaoh gave him land, told him all to move there. So everything was going good, and they began to prosper. 
And over the next 400 years, they grew into a nation. Well, Joseph's legacy had been forgotten by the Egyptians. And the Israelites had been turned into slaves now. But God still continued to bless them. And their numbers continued to grow. So Pharaoh started to fear them because they were getting, their nation was come, becoming so big. And he was afraid that if anybody attacked them, that they would join them and that they would uh, help them and they would overthrow the Egyptians. So he decided that he would kill every male child that was born, along with he was beating them and treat, just treating them terrible. So they started to cry out for God, and God sent them help. He sent them Moses, and he told, he told Moses to lead them into the promised land that he had uh, promised to his forefathers. So as we know, Moses shows up and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, nah, ain't happening. So God showed his power through Moses with the ten plagues. And after every plague, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he still wouldn't let them go. But he started making them do even more work. And the Israelites were getting upset about it. You know, they just couldn't understand the process of what was going on. But finally, after the tenth plague, where they killed the firstborn of everybody, Pharaoh's like, all right, y'all can go. So the road trip begins. And can you imagine being Moses at this point? How many times he was asked, are we there yet? Are we there yet? As he was leading them. So the first place they end up is at the Red Sea. And Pharaoh has changed his mind, and he's decided that he wants his slaves back. So they get to the Red Sea, and they're sitting there, and they're like, man, we're stuck. So the first thing they do is say, why'd you bring us here? Why'd you bring us out of Egypt just to die? Why couldn't we just stay there and been slaves? Moses asked God, you know, what do I do? And God told him to stretch out your hands, and the sea would split. And that the angel of God and the pillar of the cloud went in between the Israelites and the Egyptian army. So the Israelites could see it not, and the Egyptians couldn't. So Mo Moses raised his hands, and the sea split, and the Israelites walked through it. And as the Egyptian army started coming, the wheels started falling off their chariots. And they were just having a hard time getting through there. And once the Israelites got through there, God told Moses, raise your hands again. And he raised his hands again, and the sea came back together. And it killed all the Egyptian army. And the Bible says that the Israelites saw this, and they feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord. But then they, become, they come to the next spot on the road trip, and they come to a place where the water was so bitter they couldn't drink it. So what did they do? They start complaining. They start complaining to Moses that they had nothing to drink. So Moses goes to the Lord, and he says, what do I do? And the Lord showed him a certain tree. And he tells him to tear down the tree, or cut down the tree and throw it into the water. And when he did, the water became sweet, and they were able to drink it. So a few days later, they start complaining that they're hungry. So again, Moses goes to God and says, what do I do? And they're telling Moses, you know, it would have been better for us to die as slaves in Egypt, because at least there we had meat and bread. So God heard their complaints, and he told Moses, that he would bring them food. So that night the wind blew in and there was quail everywhere. So they gathered up all the quail and they had plenty of quail. And the next morning there was frost on the ground. That was the manna. And God had instructed them to only gather what they needed for the day and not to gather any extra. But of course, you know, as we do, we don't listen. And several of them gathered a lot of extra. And the next morning when they woke up, it was spoiled and covered in worms. So they get back on the road and they come to another place, and again, there's no more water. 
here they go, crying and whining again. So Moses asked him what, what we should do. And God told him to strike a rock and the water would come out of it. So let's stop right here for a minute. See, the Israelites had cried out for help because they were getting treated bad. And they saw the power of God over and over and over. But every time a problem came up, they complained and said they wished they would rather just stayed in Egypt. Every time their trip got hard, they wanted to go back to their old life. They had forgotten how they were treated, how they were beaten, and how the Egyptians were killing every male baby. So how many times in our lives do we ask God to remove us from a situation just to run right back to it? Because even though we know it was bad for us, we feel comfortable there. That's for you. <laughs> and one more thing. If you'll notice, every time something didn't go their way, they didn't pray to God. They went complaining to Moses. How many times do we complain instead of pray? You see, when we complain, it just causes our stress levels to rise. But when we pray, it quiets our thoughts and prepares us to listen. So we'll get back on the road, and the Israelites run into some troublemakers, the Amalekites. The Amalekites, they lived in the wilderness, and they would just attack settlements and attack people, and they would steal all their plunder. You know, they, they killed for pleasure. They were just horrible people, kind of like TCU. I'm just playing. <laughs> so when they saw the Israelites passing through, they thought, man, we'll just go down there and we'll attack them and we'll take all their goods. But see, they didn't know that they were messing with God's people. So the battle began, and as long as Moses had his arms up, the Israelites were winning. But when his arms got tired and he would put them down, the Amalekites started winning. So Aaron and her jumped in to help Moses hold up his arms. You see, there's times that we all need somebody in our lives to help us. We can't always do it on our own. But people have to be willing to jump in and help each other. So the Israelites won a great victory that day. They continued on their journey for the next three months, and they came to Mount Sinai. Now, they spent a lot of time here. Moses went up in the mountains, and went up on the mountain, and he was given the Ten Commandments. Instructions on how to build a tabernacle and to use it for the center of worship. And during their time here, we learned how the important obedience it is, how important obedience is in our relationship with God. We learned what sin is, and we learned the standards of our of righteous living. But while Moses was on the mountaintop talking to God, the Israelites were down at the foot of the mountain, wondering what happened to him. And it didn't take them long before they had forgotten all the things that God had done for them on the journey, and they asked Aaron to make them a God that they could worship. So Aaron got all the gold from the people, and he threw it in the fire and formed the golden calf, and they worshiped it, and they built an altar for it. Well, God got mad, told Moses he needed to go down there, and Moses went down there and asked Aaron, he said, you know, what are you doing? And he said, well, I just threw the gold in there, and it just happened to come out like this. You know, he didn't want to take any responsibility. And he tried to blame the people. Oh, it was the people's fault. It was the people's fault. But Moses crushed the calf into powder, and he put it in the water and made the people drink it. And the Lord was very angry. And he told Moses, he said, I'll, I'll kill every one of them, and I'll make a nation out of you. But Moses pleaded for him. He stood in the gap for the rest of the Israelites. You know, and we have to be the same way. We have to stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters that haven't seen a lot yet. We need to pray for them daily and just help lead them back to the Lord. So God forgave them, and he spent 
the next 40 days with Moses, or Moses spent the next 40 days with God, getting the law and everything else. So they spent about the next 11 months there. <laughs> Guess what happened? The people started complaining. This time they complained about the hardships they were facing. Once again, they had forgotten everything that God had done for them and the promises that he had made for them, and they were only focusing on the present time. But this time the Lord was angered, and he sent fire to burn around the outskirts of the camp and killed many of the people there. So the people ran to Moses, and again Moses pled to God, and the fire was clenched. So then they started complaining that manna wasn't good enough for them anymore, and they wanted meat. Again, they started talking about, how, about Egypt and how they missed it, and even, even though they were slaves there, they wished they could just return. See how quickly we are willing to return to misery just because it's familiar. So the Lord brought them quail. And the Bible says that people were out gathering quail all day, all night, and all the next day. See, God had been providing for their needs, but they wanted more. God was angry that they lusted over the things that they couldn't have. And when they started to eat the quail... He struck them with a plague, and many of them died. So they finally get to the gates of the promised land, the land that God had promised their forefathers. And he told Moses to send spies in. He said he, uh, so Moses got one from each tribe and told him to go in, said he wanted to know what the cities looked like, what the people looked like, what the food looked like. This was basically the first Google search. You know, when we go somewhere, we just Google best places to eat in the promised land, best path, best, easiest way to get to the promised land. So when the spies came back, they, told, they said that the land was plentiful. It was a land truly flowing with milk and honey. They brought back a cluster of grapes that was so big it took two men to carry it. But they also said that the cities were fortified and large and that the people were strong and there were many of them. And ten of the spies said that they couldn't take the land and they shouldn't even try. Only two said that they should go, but all the people listened to the ten and were too scared to listen to what God told them, and they refused to go in. See, again, they had forgotten the promises and the power of God. <clears throat> so how often do we forget how powerful he is, and we look at our obstacles through our eyes and not through his? So God became very furious, and he told them that they would stay in the wilderness until everybody that was 20 years or older had passed away except for Caleb and Joshua, because they were the only two that said that they believed God's promises. So when they heard this, they got really upset, and they decided that they'd go into the promised land on their own. But God wasn't with them. Moses and the Ark of the Covenant stayed at the camp, and the Israelites were quickly defeated. So how many times do we attempt to do things on our own, only to be defeated? How many times do we get stuck out in the wilderness wondering why? when the real answer is because we didn't listen to God. So they spent the next 40 years in the wilderness. And when you read that, it sounds like punishment. And it was to a point, but it was also a time to develop. See, God was developing the next generation. While they were stuck in the wilderness, they had nobody to depend on but God. God provided for them. 40 years in the wilderness, and they had food every day. They had water every day. Now, we got to think, I mean, this was 2 million people, cattle, sheep, everything that they had, God provided for them every day in the wilderness. 
You see, when we're in the wilderness and we think we're alone, we're not alone. God has us there for a reason. A few years back, I called my wife one day just out of the blue, and I was like, I feel like God's calling me to be a preacher. And she was kind of like, eh, LOL, whatever. <laughs> but she said, okay, whatever. And that was it. You know, I never got another calling, never heard anything about it. But God was preparing me because when I got that call, I wasn't ready. I don't think I'm ready now, but here we are. And then uh, about six months before I got this opportunity, again, God said, I'm about to answer, answer your prayer. And that was all he told me. See, he had me in the wilderness for about three years, and he was just growing me and developing me. So now they got ready to go into the promised land again, and now Joshua was their leader. And the Lord spoke to Joshua, and he told him, be strong and courageous, observe the law, read and meditate the book of the law. <clears throat> so these three simple directions is all it takes to be successful. Maybe not successful the way the world views it, but successful in the Lord, and that's way more important. See, number one, be strong and courageous, because the road's not going to be easy. Observe God's law, because sin separates you from the Father. Constantly read and study God's word so that you can understand what God wants in our lives. So we're going to come to a part now where we're going to open up the altar, like we always do. Debbie's going to play us a beautiful song. And Debbie, thank you for your willingness to always step in. You do a great job. We're going to, I'll, I'll pray and the altar will be open if anybody has any prayer concerns or wants to join the church or just... Anything you want. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this message. Father, I just thank you for the willingness of the people in this community just to serve, Father. And I just pray that, uh, that you'll just give us opportunities to go out, spread your word, and to spread your love. Father, I love you and I praise you. In the name of Jesus' name, amen.